All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Exit 77, a Notre Dame football podcast. I'm your host, Drew Brennan. This is episode 39, and it is Friday night, uh, the night before Notre Dame takes on BYU in the Shamrock Series game out in Las Vegas. Uh, should be a great matchup. Um, BYU is coming in as the number 16th ranked team in the country. Notre Dame unranked currently right now uh, with a 2-2 two two record. BYU's record is 4-1 and one with their only loss of the year coming uh, to Oregon. I believe the game was at Oregon. Um, so, you know, a pretty good record overall for the BYU Cougars. And, you know, with the 16th rating, obviously um, coaches and the, the beat writers across the country feel that this BYU Cougars team is, is a pretty good one. Notre Dame is favored in this game. I think the line is up to about 3.5. And, And yeah, it's uh, 6.30 central start, and so it should be a great matchup. And we'll cover off a little bit more as it relates to what we're looking for in this game. I put it out there to get some questions this week, so we got some good questions from friends. Um, We'll talk to you a little bit about what took place um, as related to the bye week and some news for the Irish and what the talk's been around the Irish. Um, And then we'll take a look at our score prediction and what we think is going to happen uh, tomorrow night. Um, Yeah, it's definitely it's going to be, you know, a a fun day tomorrow as we kind of gear up for the game. The game day is not in Vegas, but it is in Lawrence, Kansas, which is definitely, I think, the first time it's ever been in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, they're out there to see the TCU, I think, Horn Frogs, is that what they are? I'm not even sure, uh, versus the Kansas Jayhawks, um, which you know should make for a fun morning for uh, a lot of college football fans if you want to watch that, um, get a chance to see what Lawrence, Kansas looks like for a college gaming day. I think they did a study on it. They've been to, I think, maybe missing about 10 or so schools across the country that they haven't been to for game day yet. Uh, Kansas is uh, getting marked off the list uh, following tomorrow's game. Um, all right. Let's take a little bit of a look at the news that's been taking place over this last week. Um, and we're going to have to start off with um, some transfer news. Jacob Lacey, who is one of Notre Dame's uh, defensive tackles or interior linemen on the defensive side, has decided to transfer. Um, he is basically doing that now um, to take advantage of the new rule that says if you play for four games and then you stop playing at that point, it's pretty much kind of like a, considered a redshirt year. And then he is going to be graduating uh, in the fall or at the end of the semester. So he's going to graduate from Notre Dame with his degree, and then he'll have uh, two years of eligibility left for him to go wherever he wants. So sounds like he, like I said, is going to actually just continue on with classes here for the rest next couple months finish the semester, get his degree, and then uh, look to go elsewhere. Uh, tough news to hear. I definitely think Jacob Lacey is, is going to be a loss. Um, he was having a good year. He played a ton in the uh, in the Cal game and I think was probably one of the MVPs of that Cal game. Um, really played well on the defensive side. Didn't get a ton of snaps against North Carolina. Didn't play a ton against Marshall. I think he got out there a decent amount against Ohio State. Um, so, you know, it was trending for him to be playing a whole lot the rest of the year. He definitely would have gotten a lot of action 
um, I think starting this weekend and then the following, but I think he felt that it was better served for himself and his career and where he wants to eventually go um, for probably from a pro standpoint to go somewhere else and really kind of, I think, kind of be the man. He was a guy that was coming off the bench, so he wasn't starting, so he wasn't getting full snaps. Um, guys like Howard Cross, Adam Iola, and Riley Mills were playing ahead of him. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's his decision. I'm, I'm happy for him that he's going to be getting his Notre Dame degree. For those of you who have been listening to this podcast for a while, I'm I'm always at the end of the day, you know, wishing kids and, and players the best of luck no matter where they go. You know, the whole goal for them to come to Notre Dame as a football player so that they can get their degree. So uh, I'm happy for him and glad for him that he's going to do that. And I wish him all the best. Uh, I wish it was it was in the Irish uniform because I do think he would have had a pretty prominent role next year. Um, but you know, it, it is what it is. And uh, yeah, so he'll be uh, he'll be moving on. Um, that's probably the biggest news that took place this past week. Um, you know, I've been listening to a lot of the podcasts, reading a lot of the articles. A lot of it kind of takes a look at um, the podcasts and the articles um, and listening to everyone is really kind of taking a look at, okay, coming out of a bye week, what happens? You know, what players start to maybe, you know, emerge that didn't emerge in those first games of the year? Um, you know, who are maybe some freshmen that might be coming off the bench or maybe some freshmen that possibly have the opportunity to start? They'll be playing here as we move into the back half of the year. Now, typically the bye comes usually after at least about the sixth week, maybe even the seventh week. Um, so it's a little bit earlier this year. Um, but they're doing some research on some of the podcasts. I think Greg Flamong and uh, Frank Fitovich on the UHND podcast were looking at guys like, Lorenzo Styles, I think they talked about him as well on the One Foot Down podcast. But last year, um, you know, leading into the bye week, he had had, I think, maybe, you know, a couple of catches. Um, and then he really exploded onto the scene um, from after the bye week where he had a really good second half of the year. So I think a lot of Notre Dame fans are, you know, from a wide receiver standpoint, hoping that a guy like Tobias Merriweather, highly sided freshman out of Washington, that maybe, you know, he's able to, you know, make a difference here following this bye week and really kind of start to get out on the field because Irish Union need another weapon. From a wide receiver standpoint, it would be great to see a freshman like him, uh, you know, kind of come out there following uh, the, this, these last two weeks. Now, I also think it could be a good chance for other receivers like a Deion Colsey, Joe Wilkins Jr., to see if those guys can maybe get on the field too. As we've always been talking and looking back on these last four weeks, we need more wide receivers to emerge um, because, you know, otherwise our, our main guys are just going to be too tired by the end of the year. So hopefully these last couple of weeks we saw a few of those wide receivers really start to stand out and – Hopefully they will get a chance to play against BYU. Um, you know, I think we can talk about it as we think and look at the game. I think the Irish need to run the ball in this game, but no matter what, we'll always be good to have more wide receivers out there and especially um, guys that can possibly maybe look to take a deep threat. Other guys um, that the kind of talk's been around as are they possibly seeing the field that we haven't seen as much of, I think we're definitely thinking about our two freshman tight ends, uh, Eli Raritan and Holden Stays. Marcus Streaman had a ton of really good things to say about Eli Raritan in his press conference this week, really touting him. Sounds like he's going to be, you know, a, a really good fit for the Irish moving forward. Um, starting, you know, obviously at some point this year, but, you know, moving on next year with Michael Mayer graduating, I think, you know, we're going to start to see a ton of Eli Raritan in the years ahead, which is exciting. Um, another guy in guys that we kind of hearing a little bit about is, you know, Prince Kali and then junior Tuli Maka. So on the linebacker side, I definitely think we'll see a bunch of Prince Kali this week, especially with Bertrand being out. He's going to be missing the first half of the game because of the targeting penalty that he got in the last game. So definitely you should see uh, Kylie on the field. What does Tulemaka do? Does he get out there? I've been talking a little bit about maybe possibly using him as a rush end, which could be interesting. So maybe he's coming from the perimeter. Um, but those are going to be the guys I think that you're going to start to hear a little bit more of in the weeks ahead, um, you know, from a kind of maybe new news stuff. Uh, Benjamin Morrison is the starting cornerback, so he's taking over the role from Clarence Lewis. 
Um, so, you know, Morrison is a, you know, a true freshman and that's pretty, pretty great job by him. He's played really well these first four weeks. Um, so he's gonna be the guy moving forward. It looks like on that side, Clarence Lewis coming off the bench. Um, I do think you could see in a lot, once again, a lot of talk, um, from what we've been hearing and, you know, maybe next year Lewis maybe moves even into a safety position. Um, it might, might be a little bit better suited for that moving forward. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what you're hearing. Those are what, what the news is coming out. Wasn't a ton of news outside of that. The coaches were on the road recruiting a lot. Marcus Freeman was down in Texas um, with, I think, actually, uh, Coach O'Leary. They were down there to see, you know, one of Notre Dame's biggest recruits, Peyton Bowen, who's a five-star out of the Dallas area, went down there to watch him play, I think, on Friday night last week. He's a kid who's committed to Notre Dame, but he's also taking a little bit of a look around at other schools like Oklahoma and Texas A&M. So we'll see if Notre Dame can continue to hold on to him. He's probably... From a rating standpoint, Notre Dame's number one recruit. He would have been probably number two behind Keon Keeley, who unfortunately decommitted. Um, but he looks to be probably our best recruit and is a guy that if Notre Dame can hold on to him, he's going to be a guy that can come in and probably start right away at the safety position next year. Definitely be a guy that can be returning punts. He's very versatile. Um, so it's great to see the coaches get on the road. Uh, you did hear that guys like Tommy Reese and maybe some of the offensive uh, staff were possibly looking at other quarterbacks. Um, they kind of kept that under wrap. Um, so they're not really saying who they're looking at and talking to from a quarterback perspective in 23. I think that's kind of interesting. You know, it could be going after some guys that are committed to a couple other places. Um, maybe they're kind of kicking the tires on some of the guys that they've been talking to for a while. Um, and then maybe there's some under the radar guys that they're going after that they don't want to let other people know they're going after because they really think that the kid's going to be good. The question is still out there on CJ Carr. He might reclassify, so we're not sure there. Um, but, you know, hopefully Notre Dame gets an answer in the next few weeks on that um, because that is going to be big for recruiting. Um, we want to make sure that you either have him committed in the 23 class, and if you do, great, you're set. If not, continue having his 24, but you're going to have to bring a guy in from the 23 class. And then, obviously, if he decides to reclassify in 23, now you can really kind of put – you know, the foot on the gas towards getting a 2024 guy as well. Um, so that's been about the talk as it relates to the Irish um, and the and the bye week. Um, very interesting week. And we talked about it on our last podcast, super interesting week in college football last week and a lot of really good games uh, this week too. Um, so I think you're going to start to see teams separate themselves starting this week and in the weeks ahead, and you're going to really start to see, okay, here's here's the pretenders versus here are the actual contenders. All right, let's take a little bit of a look at some of the different questions that we got this week, and I think this will lead into our talk about the game as a whole. Um, like I said, I put out there for buddies and friends to send in some questions. Got a bunch of good ones, um, so we'll start to go through them, and thank you for everyone that submitted them. And don't forget, if you do want to submit a question, uh, feel free to hit me up on Twitter at any point, uh, exit77 underscore podcast. Um, and for those of you that know me and are my friends, um, obviously feel free to shoot me a text, um, and I'm happy to answer anything and everything. But uh, yeah, like I said, got a few good ones, and we'll start to kind of take a look at it from here. So first one, um, this one actually dates back a little bit, but um, from our buddy Quinn, uh, Glen Allen resident here, and uh, you know, friend from a text string, and a guy uh, I think he's class of '99 um, at Notre Dame, and uh, his question, um, Quinn was thinking about um, kind of just taking a look at midterm grades. Um, in a review of where we're at one through through the season, um, and any revised expectations for the balance of the year, anything to look forward to most. Um, I think as well, you know, kind of taking a look at, you know, just from an overall standpoint, you know, from a grade standpoint, you know, I think we've, we, we give this on a weekly basis, but I think overall I'd give, you know, Marcus Rimmie to B minus, you know, I think, you know, we're always going to look back probably at that Marshall game and say what the heck happened there, especially if the Irish continue to, you know, 
you know, if they win this weekend and continue to win moving forward, that's going to be a head scratcher. Uh, unfortunately, those games happen as we've saw during the Brian Kelly era. Um, but I'm going to give him a B, B minus. Um, from an offensive perspective, probably like a C plus. Um, you know, obviously we're not anywhere near where I think we were all hoping. I think the UNC game was hopefully a precursor of what's to come. But you know, it shouldn't take you four four games to kind of get up to speed, and you can't take four games to get up to speed here in the college level. Uh, defense, I'm going to give them actually a. Uh, a B plus. Um, I think the defense has actually been pretty good. You know, they held Ohio State to 21 points, so I'll give them you know a solid grade there. You know, they didn't play that bad against Marshall. The offense just couldn't do anything. Had a good game against Cal. Now against UNC, give, did give a little, little bit more points, but a lot of those points for UNC were in garbage time. Um, and they really held you know UNC's quarterback and their big wide receiver Josh Downs um, pretty much in check for most of the game. So that's why I give an overall grade. Uh, special teams, I probably would actually give them. Let's go a B plus there. Punting's been excellent as we've discussed. You know, the field goal kicking so so I think he's probably at about fifty percent. Not really a whole lot to talk about on either kickoff returns or um you know, kick defense, uh, and then our punt return actually been a lot better. Um, nice to see Brandon Joseph get a, put, a bunch of good punt returns. Haven't had any punt blocks um, for the Irish this year. Hopefully that'll change here in the weeks ahead. Um, but, yeah, overall, very good, you know, it's a very good season for the special teams, and it's cool to see what Coach Mason has brought to the table this year. I think if we're looking at it from an offensive and defensive MVP standpoint, offensive, you probably got to go with Michael Mayer. Um, he's just been really consistent, really solid for the Irish, the guy that we can rely on no matter who the quarterback is. Um, so that's been good to see, but you know, the fact that your tight end is your MVP, that's, that's always, you know, probably usually not the best thing. And then the defensive side, I'm going to go with Tariq Bracey. Um, lots of talk on the podcast this week around him as possibly the, being the defensive MVP. And I will, I will fully agree with that. He's been, you know, a really, really good player for the Irish, um, stepping up. I think when a lot of folks didn't think he was, you know, you know, I think it's his fifth year. It wasn't going to be a guy that was ever going to be fully a guy that everyone could count on and rely on. He's, he's clearly proven to be one of the best defensive players this year. So let's see if some of the other guys, you know, a guy like an Isaiah Foskey can, you know, have a little bit better second half of the year. He's, you know, he started to turn around there in the last couple of games, but, you know, lots for him to still continue to improve on. Let's see if any linebackers can step up a little bit more. And then from an offensive perspective, you know, let's see what some of these wide receivers can do. I think we saw what the running backs could do against UNC. Um, but if some of these wide receivers can really sort of step up, I think that can obviously you know, help kind of, you know, fuel this offense moving forward. And then lastly, Drew Pine. You always want to see your quarterback being your best player um, on the team. And, you know, he had a great game against UNC. And let's see if that continues moving forward. If, you know, Drew Pine's a guy that we're talking about at the end of the year as, as wow, he's a definite starter for next year. I think that that's obviously going to prove out that he had a very, very good, you know, last eight games of the season. So thanks for your question, Quinn. Uh, looking forward to a much continued conversation. Hopefully uh, see you here in town soon. All right, next question, uh, we're going to roll over to Rick Saxon, good buddy of the Exit 77 podcast, class of 2000 grad. Shout out Irish guard, Rick. Um, Rick's question, who's your top pick for player to be sent home for violation of team rules uh, in Las Vegas? Um, really good one, Rick. Uh, unfortunately, um, yeah, no more Max Redfield on the team. <laughs> no more Tom Zivikowski's on the team to get in fights. Um, but, gosh, violation for team rules for this year. I'm going to go with Jordan Botello. Um, that guy just looks like he likes to get in trouble. Um, so, you know, I think we're probably – if it hasn't happened by now, you know, what? okay, so it's 8.45 Chicago time, so that means 74, 7.45 Las Vegas time. I think they're doing bed checks at around 8 o'clock, so he's probably hopefully in bed here soon. But if not, you know, Portello, uh, if he's not playing tomorrow, we know he probably was the guy that, you know, went out post-curfew uh, <laughs> and got into some trouble. Uh, thanks for your questions, Rick, and I hope to see you here soon. All right, 
Next question is coming from Pierce Lanahan. Um, you guys heard about Pierce on last week's podcast. Um, he is the son of Bart Lanahan, class of 2000 grad from Notre Dame. So buddy of mine uh, and good friend. And Pierce's questions said, what happened? How is Buckner doing? Um, so from Buckner's standpoint, you know, he's definitely out for the rest of the year. It is a shoulder injury. I think he had surgery. Uh, I think the process, I said, is about four months. Um, so he's going to be out for a little bit of time. Um, I think everyone is hoping that he comes back um, ready to go for the spring, but it will be interesting to see if the Irish are cautious with him and don't play him a ton because they – you know, he's a guy that they want, um, you know, to be to be a part of the offense next year. You know, what part of the offense that is, I think that's, you know, to be determined based upon who we recruit, how Drew Pine does, um, and how he's feeling and thinking and looking as we head into next year. But, yeah, I think the goal is to get him healthy and ready to go probably for the summer and have him ready to go for fall camp. Um, I will admit as well, let's see, um, I'm looking back at Pierce's questions. Oh, will the Irish go undefeated next year is the second question. Great question. Um, that's going to be a tough one. I, you know. They have Ohio State on schedule next year, which is tough. I think Texas A&M is possibly on the schedule next year. I think Clemson's on the schedule. Um, so that Clemson game is at Clemson. Ohio State's at home. That's a tough one, Pierce. Um, I could definitely, you know, see us, you know, as we look at next year, probably like a 10-2 prediction again uh, with if the chips fall right, you know, maybe 11-1. But, um, you know, got to see what the Irish do for the rest of this year. Um, but things are trending after that UNC game in a better direction than what I think we were, uh, you know, we were seeing after those first three games. So let's see what happens, and uh, we'll see, obviously, take a look at that as we kick gear up for next year. And then lastly, Pierce did want to give his score prediction. He said Notre Dame 35, BYU 13. I really like that score prediction. I think BYU um, will give my prediction here later at the end of the show, um, but I like I liked the number of points that the Irish are getting there, um, and I do think that the Irish are getting – this is going to be a game the Irish could win um, you know, pretty good and maybe going away. So thanks, Pierce. Keep them coming, and uh, thanks for being a great listener of the Exit 77 podcast. All right, next question comes from Augie Rizzo, class of 2000 grad from Notre Dame, good buddy, who is actually in Vegas um, – um, we've been asking Augie all week to send us some pictures from the trip to Vegas. Uh, myself and Mike Fairchild and Augie won't send us any pictures, um, so we don't believe he's out there. But uh, <laughs> just kidding, Augie. I hope you're having a blast. I um, hope you're enjoying the, the, the weather out that way and you're having some fun. But um, Augie's question, I'm going to quote this one. He said, Drew, you are known for your unique wardrobes over the year, from Lumberjack Chic to Granola Skater. Rank the top three Shamrock Series unis. You can mix and match. Example, love the Vegas helmet, hate the Yankee pants, et cetera, et cetera. So thanks, Augie. Um, I appreciate the eclectic uh, comment on my eclectic wardrobe. So thank you for that. End. And, uh, yeah, I was doing some research on the Shamrock Series and actually ended up pulling up um, an article that kind of looks at the different Shamrock Series throughout the years. Um, so I'll kind of give you my thoughts on it. Uh, I think they've actually done a really good job over the last couple of years as raised the Shamrock Series. And so I'll actually say – uh, I think this year's might be my most favorite. Um, I love the white on one, white on white look. I think it looks really cool. I like the, you know, kind of the golden dome and the, you know, kind of the, the, the cool architecture designs that they have as a part of it. So I'm probably going to go with, um, you know, at least this year's jersey as probably my favorite. And then, you know, even more recent, uh, or not more recent, but recently from last year, I did like the uniforms they were wearing against uh, Wisconsin. That was the game at Soldier Field last year. Uh, I really liked the the stripe on the pants. I thought the kind of the gold and white on the on the sleeve was cool. I, I just liked the the colors. I liked the white numbers. Thought the uniforms really popped. I thought they looked great. Um, I wouldn't mind actually if that was kind of their home uniform. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, but kind of just going through some of the other ones. I'll give everyone a recap. So in 2010, uh, we played in Yankee Stadium against Army. I was actually there um, at the game. It was, uh, it was a cool game, but it was just kind of like a green jersey, 
you know, nothing really changed on the pants, nothing changed on the helmet. So that was pretty normal. In 2011, they were in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, it's kind of a shiny, weird gold helmet with a, with a big shamrock on the side. It was a green jersey um, with, like, white, you know, whiter gold numbers nothing too spectacular 2012 they played in chicago and they had that was the one where they had those weird helmets that were kind of half blue and half gold and it was a blue jersey um i, di- I did dig the pants um they were gold pants um they had a, a leprechaun on the side and kind of a big blue stripe on one side which is kind of cool um 2013 it was all white um with uh with a gold shamrock um kind of a a, a lighter as well gold helmet with some green tinges on the uniforms 2014 they were down in indianapolis and it was a kind of a, a dark blue with some gold on it. i thought those were actually pretty cool um helmets had like a blue stripe down the middle so i thought those were kind of neat 2015 they were in boston um in Fenway park they were all green kind of a weird green i'm not a fan of that green um with blue numbers um and then same kind of thing had a blue and white uh yellow or excuse me blue and green stripe down the helmet so not my favorite, um, not my favorite green. Uh, 2016 um, was down in San Antonio, down in the Alamo Dome. Uh, really weird, kind of almost like army-ish green, really weird, ugly helmets. Not a fan of those. I was actually at that game too, um, but yeah, not a fan of those. And then 2018, played Syracuse in Yankee Stadium. It was the baseball pants one. That was, I think, just a complete whiff and miss. That was just not, I don't know. I, I, I get what they're trying to do with the pinstripes in the Yankee Stadium, but yeah, not good. So I think if we're going to rank them, once again, I'm going to go with this year's in Vegas, probably my number one. Last year against Wisconsin as number two. Um, and then I'm probably going to say with number three, um, probably a, a combination of the the uniforms that they wore down in Dallas, um, the all whites down there, or those. Um, like I said, I like those uh, those ones 2014 in India. I just I thought they're kind of cool that the navy blue on the navy blue with some gold on it. I will say once again that I did like the pants from 2012. So there you have it, Augie. Um, hope that uh, answers your question. I hope you're having a fun time out in Vegas. And enjoy the game tomorrow. Uh, bring home a win. All right, moving on. Let's take a look at the next question. Uh, this is actually a first-time question um, from a new buddy of mine uh, and good friend here in Glen Ellen, uh, Brendan Connor. Uh, Brendan and I have uh, kids in the same class here at St. Pat's in, uh, in Glen Ellen. And uh, Brendan's question is... Uh, <laughs> Um, let's see. He said, I had to look up who, uh, Nordam was playing this week. Can we send their QB and running back out on a Mormon mission for the weekend? Uh, great question, Brennan. <laughs> I don't think we can, unfortunately. I wish we could. Um, it's too bad we can't. Um, but yeah, no, um, yes. Yeah, for those of you guys, obviously that know a lot about the BYU Cougars, they are a Mormon team or excuse me, they're pretty much a Mormon college. So a lot of Mormons on their squad. Um, no, I don't think we can send them out on a, uh, a Mormon mission. I think that would be nice if we could, um, but unfortunately we can't. So uh, wish we could do it, Brendan, but uh, I know it'll be a good game and I hope you're going to be watching. I'm sure you will. Um, but uh, yeah. Oh, quick aside um, for those of you that don't know, um, I've actually got some aunts and uncles and cousins who are Mormons um, uh, and some BYU grads uh, from my uncles. So uh, yeah, fans of my, my cousins, fans of my family, um, I know that a bunch of them are going to be at the game tomorrow, so that'll be really cool. And hopefully uh, the Irish uh, can beat the Cougars. And I don't have to hear from them uh, moving forward. All right. Thanks for the question, Brennan. I hope you can continue sending them in. And uh, we're going to go on from here to the next one. Uh, all right. Next question. I'm going through these. Uh, it is from VJ Thangamani, um, avid listener of the Exit 77 podcast, um, always sending in good questions. And VJ's question this week is, 
is Mike Sam if Mike Sanford does a good job as the interim coach at Colorado, do you see him as a viable replacement for Marcus Freeman? A um, little bit of an inside joke here between VJ and myself and a couple other guys. Um, I famously said back in 2016 when I was ready for us to back move on from Coach Brian Kelly that I thought Mike Sanford would have been a good candidate to be the new head coach. He was young. He was hip. Players seemed to really like him. The offense was, you know, relatively, you know, kind of innovative. And, uh, you know, Notre Dame kept Brian Kelly. And uh, Sanford went on, I think, to go to Western Kentucky, became the head coach there. And since that time has kind of just kind of been an offensive corner at a variety of schools. I think he was at Minnesota at one point. He's at Colorado as the offensive coordinator, now the interim head coach. I think he was one other place, too. Um, he's kind of been all over the map. Um, so I clearly was off on that one. Uh, shout out as well to Dan Hickey, um, who calls me out on that Sanford one uh, comment every time, and same thing with Augie. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was uh, – <laughs> no, Mike Sanford is not a, uh, a good candidate to replace uh, Marcus Freeman if anything falters with Marcus Freeman. Um, I do think, you know – Kudos to Sanford for, for once again continuing to get offensive coordinator jobs, and he is the interim coach at Colorado right now. But, uh, yeah, no, I was definitely wrong on that one. I'm going to own on that one uh, and realize that, yes, I was wrong about Coach Mike Sanford. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I do not think he will be Notre Dame's head coach, nor, nor do I want him to be Notre Dame's head coach. So thanks always for your questions, VJ. All right, let's see here. We've got a couple more questions here. Um, this one is uh, from Errol. It's actually more a statement. Um Errol Mitchell, our, our famous Michigan fan who always dials into the podcast. Um, he says, BYU is overrated trash. You should win that game by two touchdowns. So not necessarily a question, but more a statement. Um, I think you're right, Errol. I think Notre Dame will win by at least touch, two touchdowns. And we'll cover that off in our final score. But, yeah, thanks for always tuning in, Errol. Uh, good to see Michigan finally get their season started uh, last week. Um, you know, I know they've had a tough uh, preseason schedule with all those home games. Um, nice to see him hit the road. And, uh, yeah, probably back at home again this week, I'd imagine. Um, but, yeah, good luck to your Wolverines moving forward. Um, yeah, that's, that's all, I'm, all I got to say for you, Earl. All right, last question. Uh, we're going to be moving on to Brian Collins, um, good buddy and friend from Notre Dame, class of 2000 grad, Morrissey Manor uh, as well. Um, so thanks for the question, Brian. Uh, Brian's living out in Seattle these days uh, and expecting his, uh, first kid, uh, actually I think about any day now. So, um, awesome news for you, Brian, and best of luck, um, in the weeks ahead. Uh, Brian's question, just looking at our talent alone, what would you rank us nationally? And based on that, would you say our coaches are over or underperforming? All right. If we look at our talent alone, um, we are a top 10 team. I don't think that's a question. Um, based upon the recruiting classes we've had over the last probably, you know, 10 years or so, or just even across the last five years, this is a top 10 team from a talent perspective. Um, and the fact that we are currently unranked and not receiving any votes in the polls, you know, I think you would have to say that the coaches are underperforming. This is a team that right now, um, from to every, every way you look at this Notre Dame team should be three and one, and they would be three and one with a close loss to Ohio state. Um, obviously if they had beaten Marshall, it wouldn't have looked pretty. And then the Cal win was not a pretty win either there, but then, you know, coming off the UNC win where we finally started to play well, I think the Irish should probably be ranked, I don't know, probably like 11 or 12 right now, um, so just outside of the top 10. So even if they had beaten Marshall, I think they probably would still be underperforming. But, you know, if you look at how they did against Ohio State, what they were able to do from a defensive perspective against Ohio State, um, this is a team that, you know, that should be able to compete with the vast majority of teams across this country outside of maybe the top three or four. Um, so thinking of like your Clem, oh, we'll see what happens against Clemson, but you know, your Alabama's, your Georgia's and your Ohio State's, but they proved that they actually did a pretty good job against Ohio State. So, um, yeah, I would say at the end of the day, 
our coaches are underperforming, uh, Brian. And let's hope that we, you know, continue to kind of right the ship against BYU this weekend, uh, and it continues and starts to build momentum moving forward. But yeah, this should be a three and one Irish team with a close loss to Ohio State. That if they could run the table, would have the outside chance of possibly, you know, making the playoffs. Um, so it's a little bit unfortunate, but it is what it is right now with everything that we're looking at. All right, thanks everyone for sending your questions. Really appreciate it, guys. And once again, for those of you that are listening and want to send your questions, hit me up on Twitter at exit seventy seven underscore podcast or send me a text. All right, let's look at this game coming up here tomorrow. Um, like I said, 6.30 start, so night game. Uh, good buddy Kevin Kale, I think, is going to come over here and watch it. Um, so looking forward to seeing and meeting up with Kevin for that. Um, BYU is 4-1 um, from, you know, kind of what I've been reading, what I've been seeing. Um, they've got a really good quarterback. Um, you know, he's definitely a guy that you're going to have to prepare for. Um, he's very consistent. He only has one interception on the year. I think he's thrown for about thirteen or 1,400 yards. So, you know, he's a guy that's going to – you know, typically throw for around 300 yards a game. Um, they have great wide receivers, um, some pretty tall wide receivers. So Norian's going to have to make some plays on the ball um, in the air because these guys are going to be he's gonna be able to throw them up and see if these guys can jump and out jump our Irish um, defenders. I think they've got around three or four good wide receivers. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be a, a tough and tall task for the Irish. I don't think that their offensive line is is anything to super shout about. Um, so that's where I think this game, you know, could be won or lost is the Irish if they can get pressure similar to what they did last week against May and, you know, force tough throws or force, you know, quick throws. That's where the Irish are going to try and hopefully win this game. And they've got a couple of good running backs, but same thing, if they can kind of force them to be one-dimensional or not allow – BYU to run for a lot. This could be a game where the Irish could have a really good, um, you know, kind of chance, at least from a defensive perspective, to help the offense kind of pull away. Um, so I do think that the Irish, you know, kind of coming off of what we saw against North Carolina, who technically has a better offense than BYU, um, if the Irish can do a lot of the similar things that they did against BYU or against UNC, continue to keep contained in, not let their quarterback, you know, get, you know, kind of lost for third and long runs, which we saw. Drake May did in that first series, but then after that, he wasn't able to really do it. If the Irish can do that, if they can control the ball from an offensive perspective, this is a game that I think the Irish can win. So, um, you know, if we think about BYU from a defensive side, they've got some good linebackers. I think their secondary is, is pretty okay. Um, I do think the defensive line is where the Irish can, you know, from an offensive perspective, you know, hopefully control this game. So, BYU's run stats from a defensive perspective were not that great. Um, so, this is kind of exactly what we did against UNC. If the Irish can control the ball, you know, get big chunk yardage plays on runs, especially on first down. It's going to open up for play action passes, and it's going to allow the Irish to kind of dictate what they want to do in this game. And I think if they can do that and do what they did, similar to last week against UNC, this is a game that the Irish should be able to win um, by a few touchdowns. Uh, and so let's take a look at kind of our overall and final prediction heading into the game um, Saturday. Um, you know, I've been kind of thinking about this, and, you know, once again, been listening to a lot of pods and reading a lot of the predictions come out this week. I think on all of the pay sites for Notre Dame, I think every single, you know, writer across the pay sites picked the Irish to win. Um, you didn't see one writer not pick the Irish. Uh, Pete Sampson picked the Irish as well from The Athletic. Stu Mandel from The Athletic, the national writer, of course, picked BYU, but that's what Stu Mandel does pretty much every week, picks against the Irish. Um, I'm going to go with, from a final score perspective, I'm thinking it's going to be the Irish 41 BYU 20. So I'm predicting a three touchdown win for the Irish. Um, I really do think that, you know, we saw a lot of what we're going to see and hopefully expect moving forward from this Irish offense moving forward. I think in that is, and the the main aspect of that is an offensive line that can dictate the game. So an offensive line that can give Drew time 
Drew Pine time to throw, and then as well give our running backs lanes to run. And if we can do exactly what we did against USC, where we can control the line of scrimmage, get good runs, and kind of run the ball when we want to, I think this Irish team from an offensive perspective is going to be tough to stop, especially from a BYU side that you know has not done a really good job of stopping the run. So if we can do what I think we all hope and think we and think the Irish can do, um, I do think this is going to be a comfortable victory for Notre Dame um, and a game that you know Notre Dame is going to start to put themselves back on the national map after this game because I think if they can win this one, you know, then we're looking at Stanford at home. We're looking at UNLV at home, and then Syracuse. I don't know. Syracuse is five and zero, so that could be a really tough matchup. But you know, if Notre Dame wins this weekend, the next three games are definitely winnable. Um, they should be able to win all three of those games. And now you're looking at possibly hopefully six and two, um, going into a November fifth matchup at home against probably a seven or eight and zero uh, Clemson uh, Tigers, which would be just an awesome matchup and a really fun game. And I think a lot of Notre Dame fans would be super excited. And that would be one that hopefully you know can you know. We'll see at that point. But if the Irish can win this one, excuse me, on Saturday, got a great chance to be six and two uh, coming up here in the weeks ahead. So there you have it. Um, that's where we're at as we head into the game tomorrow. I hope uh, you all get a chance to listen to this. Hopefully, maybe this makes your morning uh, commute if you're doing anything on Saturday morning, or you're going for a walk or a run or whatever. But hopefully, you get a chance to listen to this uh, prior to the game. But I appreciate all of you guys listening. Uh, yeah, definitely excited for the Irish tomorrow um, and looking forward to, you know, a good win and the Irish continuing to turn this season around. So thank you everyone once again for listening to the Exit 77 podcast. I'm your host, Drew Brennan. Uh, once again, feel free to connect with me on Twitter. Uh, send me your questions. Um, thanks you guys very much. Uh, I know I say this all the time, but this is just a ton of fun for me and I really appreciate everyone that listens and all the comments and all the feedback. And I hope you guys enjoy this as much as I do, but yep. As always, uh, let's go Irish. Let's get a win and, uh, looking forward to tomorrow night. Thanks everyone. Bye.